0: Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in the sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. This episode is sponsored by the International Institute of Ayurveda. IIA is based in Northern California and Tuscany, Italy, offering both Ayurvedic education and clinical Ayurveda. For those interested in pursuing a career in Ayurveda, the Certified Ayurvedic Practitioner course begins in January 2022. This 1,500-hour, two-year intensive training is capped at 10 students to ensure that our future practitioners are given individualized mentorship and guidance by some of Ayurveda's top professionals today. For inquiries regarding either the school or the clinic, please email Reception at I, I, That's reception at I, I Ayurveda Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast, episode number nineteen, where I talk with Ayurveda doctor Victor Brier and Kundalini Yoga teacher Joe Rich on the topic of using yoga and Ayurveda. To transform awareness into change, Joe is a co founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda. He has been a practitioner and teacher of Kundalini Yoga, as taught by Yogi Bhajan, since 1998. Joe is a Kundalini Research Institute certified teacher, as well as possessing a degree in healthcare management. He has a background in counseling emotionally disturbed inner city teens, and he's been involved in running group homes for at-risk youth, and also has worked as an epidemiologist for the CDC. Victor Briere is a Ayurvedic doctor and is co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, where he serves as a Nama-recognized Ayurvedic doctor and Kundalini yoga teacher. Victor is a gifted Pulse reader specializing in Ayurvedic diagnostic techniques and health counseling. He is the author of Pulse Unveiled, and he is the primary clinician and the chief academic officer of the Academy. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast, you guys. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
0: Thank you. Yeah. You know, I feel like every new year is like a clean sleep to set new intentions for the coming year, which makes this topic today using yoga and Ayurveda to transform awareness and to change very relevant for this time that we are in right now. Because I think most people want to change or transform their lives in some way. So I thought I would start the podcast with a formal definition of the word transform, which I looked it up and it means a thorough or dramatic change in form appearance or character. And some of the synonyms that were related to it are reconstruct, mutate, remodel, revolutionize, transmute, and a bunch of other ones. So starting at that point, how does yoga and Ayurveda start that transformation process? And where are we trying to get to exactly?
2: Okay, great question. And just a disclosure to the listeners, I'm going to be a little bit gruff today, on purpose, intentionally. This is, this is Victor talking. This is the real me, right? Not okay. Joe talking. Yeah, this not, isn't Joe. Not the not the politic, not the political me, not the, you know,
0: the real thing.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, from that beautiful introduction, a lot of people want to change blah blah blah, they don't. That's the reality we're in, right? For most of the time. It's hard my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, it's my friend's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my dog's fault. I'm scared. I can't do it. It's too hard da, 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 on and on, but I really want to. Hmm. I hear that a lot in the clinic. So Ayurveda and yoga are about actually changing, not wanting to change, not being aware of your problem. That's part of it, being aware of the problem, but that's not enough in and of itself. To create the kind of change what that you said in that definition of transformation, a radical change in appearance, Mm -hmm. definition form, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So Ayurveda and yoga are very confrontational in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I want to eat the right things. Well, why don't you? Because that's not that's not what Ayurveda and Yoga are about. They're not about the excuse of why we don't change. Hmm.
0: So in the beginning when I started this podcast I think I I spoke on one of them about you know awakening or the that moment when you look up and you say why do I feel this way? Why do I feel scared in this moment? Or you know I want to change so I don't have this fear or this discomfort or this whatever. And so on Christmas Eve my husband and I went to the grocery store and cause we forgot something and I I've always had grocery store anxiety since way like 20, 20 years old, always had it. And so, but it's gotten better. You know, there's a need, you have to go to the grocery store and your kids are little, like you just, you just have to, you know? So, and I thought that was, you know, I'm, here I am, you know, yoga teacher, Reiki master, I'm all these things. And we Even pull in there. the parking. What's that?
1: Human being
0: human being. Yeah. So we pull in the parking lot and the place is a madhouse. Of course it's Christmas Eve know. And I get this panic feeling come over me like complete peril. I'm paralyzed. And I say to still, I cannot go in the grocery store. There's just no way. And he's like, why? I said, because look at this place. There's, there's so many people like, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I won't you have to go by yourself. I'm just going to sit in the car and meditate. So he did. He enabled me (laughs) and I stayed safely in the car with my fear. And, uh, I felt like I was very disappointed in myself because I felt like the fear had won and I gave into it and I let it, I let it rule me. And I, I, I just gave into it. So, so here I am as a person. Here I'm asking you, like, what's that about? I want to change. I don't want to be fearful.
2: So, first of all, thank you very much for sharing that. Seriously, you're welcome. Uh, because it's important. I think, like, I appreciate hearing it for one because I have fears inside. i I, I, I to this day, and I know where it come from. But to this day, I have to be careful if I walk into a kitchen and hear too many loud noises. I will absolutely have an autonomic nervous system reaction and I will feel the feeling of fear and discomfort, and I will have the motivation to walk out of the kitchen. Flight, right? I'll run away. Yep. In your case, you just avoided the grocery store, right? Yep. So I can completely relate to that. And frankly, anyone who says that they can't is not really telling the truth either to themselves or to you or both. Right. So that is your autonomic nervous system saying hey you go in that place you're going to get hurt or worse yeah now now then that fear grabs hold and that's an automatic process it's going to happen right that fear grabs hold and that's a visceral feeling in our body that actually commands the body to engage in a defense mechanism Hmm. either fight flight or in your case it was freeze or avoid right mm-hmm. okay so now that that initiates at lightning speed lightning speed so you're not really going to be able to just stop it you know you're going to have to basically override it if you're going to you mm-hmm. know so you you're going to be faced with a choice to override the fear which is not easy by any means or give into it which is an act of at least in your perception of the world in that moment, right? You used words like the market is a madhouse, (laughs) right? A madhouse is not a place we want to be, right? right? My husband enabled me. All those things. You have a story of the world in that moment. Mm -hmm. But the truth is the grocery store wasn't a madhouse. It was busy,
0: right?
2: right? And Mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't even that busy. We don't know because your perception of it is based on a whole bunch of past experiences that lead you to feel threatened into walking in that grocery store, just like I can walk in the kitchen and the people who love me most in the world are standing in that kitchen, right? They would never hurt me, nothing. But from my past, the kitchen was not a safe place. So I feel that fear from my past Mm -hmm. and it, and it comes on, it just hits me. So that's, that's going to happen to all of us. That's the being human part that Joe commented on. We all have an autonomic nervous system, all of us, and it helps us survive. But if we don't constantly refresh our vision of what the world actually is in any given moment, mm-hmm. then we're subject to living in the illusion of what our autonomic nervous system remembers about life, Right. your husband may not have been enabling you. He may have just been like, I got to go grocery store shopping. It might have had nothing to do with you. He might have just been like, I, I'm not going to, he didn't. might not have even really known what was going on. He, he,
0: he didn't really. He just, yeah, he did what he had to do because we were, you know, we forgot broccoli or whatever.
2: Right, exactly. Just, and to him, the grocery store isn't a threat. Right. So no problem, right? Because yep. he didn't have the same past experiences you have. Mm-hmm. So I would ask you then at this point, because it's always important, and I know you did yourself, but it's always super important to ask these questions of ourselves. Do you know why you're so afraid of grocery stores?
0: I just, I think, because I did sit there and I did think about it, um, because I've done some work to make I have some awareness about that I was definitely running. It wasn't normal the reaction I was having. That I knew, like, it wasn't like a maybe a healthy reaction. And so the, the thing that I came up with is that for a really long time during a very stressful period in my life, I became decently, I mean, I'll say, or uh, agoraphobic, I will say not completely, but very, very limited where I would go very limited, um, you know, to my mom's and back. Right. To a safe, now this doesn't happen everywhere. Some stores are safe. They're small. They're like like simple little groceries, like, like, a, like a farm market kind of situation. That's okay. Um, yoga, I always would go to yoga class. No problem going to yoga at all. So there were, there were specific places I would go that I felt safe. And then there were, so I thought about that. I thought about that. It just was more of a general, I have um, a, I tend to become agoraphobic when I'm stressed. I tend to want to hunker down in my house with my dogs and just stay there, whatever that means. That's just something that I tend, it's a tendency that I do. Sure. It's your
2: your defense mechanism, your way of protecting yourself from potential and perceived threats in the world. That's right. Right. Yeah. hmm So maybe it's not isolated to grocery stores, right? It's more about quantity of people, whether you feel exposed, those kinds of things, you know. Yes.
0: Yep. That's it.
2: Right. Okay. So now I understand you a little bit better. Mm. Right. It's not specifically grocery stores. It's not like, you know, when you were six to the age of 10, your, you know, parent would drag you through the grocery store and insult you the whole time. And so it created a sense of, you know, unease in grocery stores. It's more about just. If you don't feel like or if you feel like there are a lot of people around, especially when you're already stressed, that triggers you. And do you know why it's about the amount of people? Do you know what that is for you?
0: I don't because um, I went back during sitting in the car, too, because I was it took still quite a while to get the broccoli. (laughs) So I had a decent amount of time to think things over. And, um, you know, I did revisit childhood trauma and I thought to myself, I remember feeling in the childhood trauma in that moment, which I was alone. I was not in a group when, when that trauma happened, Mm -hmm. which, um, but I remember after that feeling unsafe almost the rest of my life. So it doesn't really make sense, except that maybe I would be worried it's like it just generally i just feel unsafe in certain
2: places and
0: i'm really not exactly sure why i do to be honest with you
2: it doesn't have to make sense Mm. to our to our kind of normal rational way of thinking about the world because the autonomic nervous system has its own language so there are kind of things that are cues of threat or safety that don't necessarily make sense to how we would just normally think about the world Mm -hmm. Uh, but nevertheless their cues are safe so the when you start feeling you go through a childhood incident and then from that point on you remember the distinction i don't really feel safe in the world yeah that sense of uh threat constant threat makes us basically in a nutshell i mean this is a little bit generalizing but hyper vigilant for the most part after, right.
0: That's a great yeah. word. I use yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're
2: hypervigilant and you're in a group of a lot of people, you can't monitor them all. Right. It's not possible. Right. Yes. So you can't monitor them all. So that inherently becomes a threatening situation. Exactly. Okay. So I didn't know the
0: words, but that's exactly what I felt inside two minutes ago, but I didn't know how to explain it, but that's it.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's true about I won't say all of us but the majority of us our autonomic nervous systems are set up that way yeah so it's actually quite a natural response hmm. that's uh what we'd say in ayurvedic if we're going to talk ayurveda way right that's a symptom of the cause the cause actually has nothing to do with crowds but what it ends up being is that you have this fear of crowds mm-hmm. so you only go to places or you only feel safe in places or you only allow yourself to feel safe in places that basically you can monitor the entire environment and have some sense of control over it. You know, that's, that's pretty it. normal. I mean, it's normal in a good way. It's normal. Yeah. So we've got some awareness. Yeah. Just for the sake of at least this conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's good. We need that awareness, but that awareness alone isn't going to erase your fear. Not mm-hmm. even close. In fact, sometimes it can make it worse
0: mm.
2: being aware of it. Yeah. just aware of it without it. Because then,
0: else. then the next time you go out, you don't want to feel that again. So you start to avoid going out.
2: Right. Because
0: if I was feeling like that in the grocery store, um, parking lot two weeks ago, I better just stay home because I don't want to feel that heart racing, and fast breathing, you know, breathlessness and like panic. So I'll just stay home from now on. Easy.
2: <laughs> right, so that that's a that's a very um, allopathic way of handling the situation, right? So you're treating the symptom, not the cause. Mm-hmm. The symptom yeah. is what we talked about, and so to treat the symptom, you just say, "I'll just avoid large groups of people, and I'll feel safe." And there's there's truth to that, right? Yeah. But the problem is now your world's shrinking. Completely. Your world's shrinking very quickly in this instance, mm-hmm. and that tends to double you double people double down on that solution and so the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it starts crippling your desires or you know and Joe will start talking about this your expression of your authentic self. Yes. And then you got now you got a real problem. Yeah. Um and that whole time you are not you are not building resilience in your autonomic nervous system. And so that's gonna now make it harder and harder and harder to actually deal with threat situations or perceived threat situations because the reality is no one in that grocery store was gonna hurt you. Right. And 99.999% of the time, you can be out in public and nothing bad will happen to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's just a perceived threat. It's not a real threat.
0: Right.
2: Right. But the autonomic nervous system makes it feel like it's real for sure. No question about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As raw as could be. I mean,
2: raw as can be. Yep. Yeah. So when it comes to actually changing or transforming your, what you're trying to transform in this case is going to be your autonomic nervous system patterning. And to do that, awareness is not enough. That's a mistake that a lot of people make. They think they go on these great journeys of awareness and they get some awareness and that's great. But the expectation is that then their life will transform and that's not what's going to happen.
0: No, because I was in that car. I was fully aware. Right. And then that was it. (laughs) (laughs) It it. just stopped. Yeah. It's like, there's no, I need the end of the story. We just cut right in the middle and just said, well, I'm aware. Totally get it. But what are you going to do about it? Share, you know?
2: Exactly. And that's the big question. Mm
0: -hmm. And what you're
2: going to do about it is you got to confront your own autonomic nervous system, Mm -hmm. which is not an easy process and it does not feel comfortable. And
1: it's the most, it's the most difficult thing you'll ever do.
2: It's the most difficult thing we will ever do. But that is what it will take to, as you read in the beginning of the show, transform. Yeah. And how and so do we, now, how
0: exactly do we face right. our autonomic, autonomic nervous system?
2: With a sense of curiosity and all that Joe take over from
1: there. <laughs> well, no, you, I need you.
2: <laughs> well, without,
1: <laughs> yeah, you're the expert on the autonomic nervous yeah. system. Um, well, the two words that are being used these days are inquiry and curiosity. Mm. And if you're willing to maintain those two things, no matter how difficult it gets now, I mean, we're, we're going to go, we're going to walk through hell. So, you know, and you're, you can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. So find somebody you can talk to. I'm not saying a therapist. I'm not a big proponent any more than I am saying a medical doctor. I would prefer Ayurveda personally, right?
2: Yeah. So definitely. I might
1: find what we call a critical lover. That's a term you'll hear Victor and I talk about. Anyway, find somebody who can do inquiry, you know, guide you with inquiry and curiosity. Those are the two things. And if you can maintain those and keep asking yourself the thousand questions, that's an Esther Perel thing. Ask yourself the thousand questions. Because there's three, ty- there's three things that happen to people, three types, <clears throat> whatever you want to say. There's people who have something happen and they just don't even notice it. They just stay oblivious to it. It's common, very common, right? Yep. Okay. There's the second type would go, oh yeah, I saw that. Oh, well, it's in the past. Just water under the bridge. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So they had the event. They may have experienced a little bit of trauma but they learn nothing from it and they're gonna, they're, they're gonna repeat it because they learned nothing from it. The third type of response to, the, to something is to ask the thousand questions
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get to the bottom of it and learn the lesson that that moment had for you and get to it so that get beyond the autonomic nervous system and really see what it was there for you to learn. But that requires inquiry and it requires curiosity. And it requires it on both people. If I'm going to be your critical lover, Sherry, I also have to remain curious and I also have to remain in the inquiry with you. We don't want to take on this healer wounded relationship.
0: Okay. That
1: stops these kinds of things. Then you're looking to me for advice and I become a counselor. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about equals sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of tea, inquiring and being curious about what it means to be human Mm -hmm. and bringing in all of Victor's knowledge of the autonomic nervous system and knowing that that comes with being human and having a personality but there's something beyond that, in my opinion, and that's the authentic self. And that requires us to jump into what we would call spirituality or knowing there's something greater in life and not identifying ourselves to our personalities. Our personalities are nothing but coping mechanisms to what we call perceived threats or the perceived trauma that occurred in our life. because. Gabor Mate says, it's not the event of the trauma that causes the trauma. It's how we processed that trauma. And we can do that every day for the rest of our lives. So you can have the experience that you had. And Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that privately someday. But you can have the experience you had in your 20s that triggered this. That happened one time, one day. You can repeat that every day now for the rest of your life in your mind. And your autonomic nervous system thinks it's just as real. Is when it happened that one time, one time, but now yeah. it's happened a thousand times.
0: And I was ten when it happened, nine years. or nine go. or ten. And so there
1: you go. There you go. Um,
0: so there I is. am taking the Vegas nerve course with with you, with you guys, and and so I'm curious um, because I'm wondering. To me, and I know so everybody I know, all of my friends, uh, everybody has trauma that they've experienced as children or, you know, some traumatic event. And um, they, they, they do a little bit of work and they think they've done, you know, they're in the clear and they've, they've healed that wound. And, and then it'll come up in a situation like me in the parking lot or, you know, a fear. And then it's like, well, what, what more am I supposed to do? Like what exactly does digging in and healing or facing Your autonomic nervous system what does that even look like yeah is Um, that when we're getting to ayurveda and yoga is that how this ties in
2: definitely
1: definitely but but no matter what and i'll just be quick no matter what victor says to answer that question if if you sit in that parking lot and lose curiosity and no longer want to do ask yourself a thousand questions it doesn't matter what the answer is Mm -hmm. because you have to be willing to ask yourself the whys until you get to the bottom of it, and yep. it creates true transformation. Okay. And now I'll shut up and let Victor talk.
2: <laughs> the, so you're sitting in the car, right? So this is this is also a thing that we do is we hyper focus on a traumatic event, mm-hmm. right? So you had the and you know so let's say, but we won't go to when you were nine years old. Let's stick with the reality of what you were experiencing in that moment. You're okay. sitting in the car, you just feel fear, and you're, you're saying, I'm afraid because that place is a madhouse. There are all these people. That's your experience in the car, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's where your mind is completely focused. It's basically scanning the world for threat and saying that place over there, that place is a threat. That's the end of the sentence. There's nothing much else going on. Right. And maybe you're also looking for an escape or a place of safety. In this case, it was your car. Your car was safe, mm-hmm. right? So, I'm, I'm just staying right here. I'm not going anywhere, right? This is my safe place. Okay. So, that's not what I would say asking yourself a bunch of whys or being curious. That's just an assessment of your environment and a grasp for safe safety, right. the feeling of safe, right? That's all that is. And that's fine, but that's all it is. Okay. Now, we tend to say, okay, well, that was the event, but that's not the event. There's a whole, there's the events in the context of an entire life, an entire being. So this is where Ayurveda is going to come in. Ayurveda rarely will blame an entire disease pathology on one thing. So it's like, why are you constipated? Oh, because I ate crackers. It's like, no. Okay. It's not just because you ate crackers one time, right? There are like 40 things contributing to this, why you're constipated. So, okay. So there's a lot there. There's your relationship with your husband. There's your relationship with all your friends. Like, have you ever had this conversation with certain people and established a critical lover and all that stuff? Or if your husband had maybe known the full story, maybe that would have created a different thing. There's all these conversations and relationships that have or have not happened in the context of this one moment. So all that stuff's coming into play, even though your mind is targeting that market as the threat situation. Got it. Okay. So that's one thing. The other thing is you're going to feel those feelings and you could get to the bottom of it in the sense that you can ask yourself the whys and that would be good. But a lot of times we delude ourselves into thinking the answer is the answer. Why? Because when I was nine years old, XYZ happened. Mm-hmm. That might not actually be why and that's tough but we sit there and it's like yeah that's why so i'm justified in sitting in this car and that's why it's very important to talk with other people because if they if they are capable of doing that process with you and willing to do and curious about that process they're not going to be okay with just some half-hearted answer that doesn't allow anything to transform really right so they'll encourage you and we all need other our, our nervous systems are built to interface with other nervous systems, other people's nervous systems. So you can't, when you, when you said you can't do it alone, that's not some poetic device. That's a literal truth. We need other people's nervous systems to bounce off of.
0: And can Eat I it. just ask you a question yes. then is yes. that, and this might seem really simplistic question, but is that why people have therapy dogs? I mean, dogs have a nervous system. Oh is, yeah. Okay.
2: We're targeting the dogs. Yeah, absolutely.
1: you're talking to two, two dog lovers we would definitely go with the dog
0: yeah because i like my gracie she yeah. she i i feel yeah. safer when grace is with me
1: yes.
2: absolutely Just you're you're nobody. co-regulating with that dog
1: yes and victor and i are such dog snobs that if they're not siberian huskies we don't know
0: yeah. <laughs> my daughter's in because she's got two all
1: right I yeah like her.
0: <laughs> it's but it's you know it's like So, and, and explain critical lover, because I remember the first time I heard this term from you guys, like on another, on Colette's podcast, I was like, what, what is a critical lover? What does that mean? Like your, your boyfriend is critical of you or now I know what it is, (laughs) but can you just explain it a little bit for the listeners? They might be like, what does that mean? Critical lover?
2: A critical lover is not a perfect person. I'm going to start by saying that. So you don't need to go search for an angel or a saint. A critical lover is someone there's a conscious establishment of a certain type of relationship in which both people have agreed that I will do my utmost darndest best to illuminate the truth of you. Okay.
0: So it's honest. It's painfully honest.
2: Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm saying that whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, whether your mom's around, your dad's around, whatever, whether you're, I'm not doing this to make you feel okay. I'm doing this because the truth is liberating for the, for on a lot of levels, right? Right. And so when you're sitting, if I were, let's pretend that it was me in the car, yeah. because I'm not saying your spouse should be your critical lover. As a matter of fact, they're, you know, well, we probably, don't need to get Probably shouldn't. Be. Yeah, shouldn't be maybe, right? Yeah. Spouse plays other roles. Let's say I'm your critical lover. I'm sitting in the car with you. And, you know, we've already had a lot of conversations. So I look over at you. You don't even need to say anything. I know you're freaked out. So first of all, there's a level of intimacy there that's been created, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a type of connection. And that connection is important for our nervous system. So I'm connected to you. So I feel, or I observe that, okay, she's scared, right? Mm -hmm. Sherry, I know you're scared. It's not a question, right? Right. What's up? And you say, that place is a madhouse. I can't go in there. Okay. So I, as your critical lover, I'm saying, Well, it's busy, but it's not a madhouse. Why are you exaggerating? Madhouse is a very threatening, unsafe, horrible place to be, all that stuff, right? What's up? I don't know. I just got hit with tons of fear. It's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. First of all, take a breath, breathe, right? That's telling your autonomic nervous system that you're safe in the moment. So you take a breath, you feel a tiny bit better, right? Not all better, tiny bit better. And now I'm calm though, because I'm not triggered. Right, that's part of the role of being the critical lover. I'm calm. I'm not triggered. So now your neur- autonomic nervous system has a calm person next to them. That's a cue of safety. Another one, right? Right. So say, okay. So let's talk. I'm here. I'm present with you. I'm going to go through this with you, right? Let's do this together. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and we'll find out what's scaring you right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, we don't have that. That conversation can take a long time. Long time. Long time, as long as it needs to. That's yeah. the role of critical lover. That's important. To right. Repeat it's a, that. It's as long as it needs to, it's not, yes. Oh, sorry, your 30 minutes is up. Where's my $200 Bye. see you next week. Yeah. Right. Right. That's not it. Right. So it takes as long as it needs to, because why, because I have prioritized this process in our life together. Right. Right. This is very important process, because if you can break through this fear, that's a transformation that transformation is going to ripple out into the world and create wonderful things. Otherwise your trauma is going to ripple out into the world and create traumatized things. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So this is a big deal. This is more important than getting the broccoli or not getting the broccoli. Okay. So it's going to take as long as it takes. So we're talking and we're talking, we're talking, we're talking, and let's say half an hour goes by. And finally you're like, we get to that point where we got to on this, on this show but you made the connections. It wasn't just me telling you what happened, right? It was you made the internal connections, which by the way, means your nervous system is doing stuff in that process, right? And you say, you know what? This is just a symptom of this trauma. And in a roundabout, weird, winding path, I'm now afraid of places like this, right? I'm afraid Mm -hmm. of them. And it's really shrunk my life down and I can't do what I wanna do. And I'm scared all the time and I hate that feeling and it's making me sick right? I've got these health problems on top of it. Okay. I say, okay, so that's the awareness. Now, remember, I'm still co-regulating with you and I'm your <laughs> critical lover. I uh, say, okay, are you ready to make a change? Because I'm not going to go like all soft on you. Oh, poor baby. You know, it's okay. Just be afraid your whole life and stay in the car. And that's fine. You know, yeah. baby steps. Baby we'll, steps. We'll never
1: ask you to come to the grocery <laughs> yeah. store again. Baby steps. Baby yeah. steps.
2: Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're you know. Ready. Whenever you're ready. Because guess what? It's going to be never. I was
0: going to say I'm never going to be ready.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So now the compassionate thing for me to do, and the curious thing for me to do, would be, okay, what's it going to take to get this to get Sherry out of her trauma moment, right, and to cultivate the aspect of her nervous system that's not her autonomic nervous system, fear response, and have that part override the fear. That's what we're looking for. So I'm going to bolster your nervous system with safety cues and with the truth. The truth is very powerful to the human system. Yeah. So I'm going to start encouraging you yourself to perceive the situation as for what it really is, which is, a mildly busy place that 99.9% contains zero threat. And I'm going to work on that until you've built up at least enough courage to confront your own autonomic nervous system and say, I'm doing it. I'm going in to get that broccoli. That doesn't even matter. Right. Why? Because that's going to create the new nervous system experience because you'll go in, you'll still feel fear. Right. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. You'll feel what you feel, you'll get the broccoli, you'll walk out of that store, and your autonomic nervous system will then record an experience of I did it and nothing happened.
0: Like override.
2: It'll override, right? It yeah. will it won't override. It will evolve.
0: Oh, oh evolve. Okay.
2: It will evolve. It will change. Again. And this
0: happens every time because maybe the next time, maybe if I go later, I will might have that same response. Right. But I Think it through i understand and then i go and i come out and i'm like i did that i did right. it
2: right and and you may need the critical lover co-regulator many yeah. times maybe not right we don't know we that's that that's way too complex or, to on that
1: into. note the co-regulator it might just be that i walk in the store with you and yeah hold your hand right if we've already had the conversation right we've right. already dug into it we feel satisfied with that it's like Come on, I'll walk in there with you. It may take you ten times walking in that store with me, but on the eleventh, you may look at me and go, "You know what? Let me try to go in there alone today." You yeah. stay in the car. I know where you're at. If I need you, I'll come running. Yeah. You know, but I'm gonna let me try to walk through this alone today. That isn't that our teenage kids finally becoming adults?
0: Right. Yeah. Where well, they're not so dependent on us for everything. Yeah. And
1: finally say, yeah, mom, let, let me try this on my own. Fine. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: That's an interesting point. Do we put our fears on our children as we're raising them? So yeah. some children are so much more fearful than others. And maybe if you looked, maybe the parents are quite fearful. Yeah.
1: sure, yeah.
2: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Right. The, the, when, when we're children, a lot of these patterns get established when we're children because there's a reason for that, right? Because. As children, we have to be attached to our parents. Our life literally does depend on it, literally. So there is a real threat in not having our parents around. So that attachment creates a a necessary situation where we have to, in some, our autonomic nervous system has an inherent mechanism, we'll say, intelligence or wisdom or whatever you want to say with that word. It's like, we need to attach to this person to survive. It knows that it's built into us. Right. But that's not true after a certain point. Hmm. And ideally our autonomic nervous system also records that truth. And so we, we track with reality, right? I don't actually need my mom or dad anymore. It's not necessary. And a great parent would encourage that transition. Right. right? Yep. And they'll teach the child how to be autonomous in that way.
1: So the problem is that we can transfer that onto. So Stu, you would transfer that onto your husband, Mm -hmm. right? And Okay. And then that would make him feel wanted and important to you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's not a fault. Don't, don't blame him. You're his wife. He wants to feel important to you and he wants to feel all those things. And you'll transfer this onto him and you'll maintain the trauma pattern. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay attachment is absolutely necessary in life however attachment at the expense of the authentic self Mm -hmm. and i can guarantee you that most everyone is doing that on some level Mm -hmm. we attach and then we we don't live in our authentic self because we are so afraid that the person that we attach to will say adios to us one way or another, even if it's not physically, it can be emotionally. Mm-hmm. So disengagement, according to Benet Brown, disengagement mm-hmm. is the worst of all betrayals. It's the worst of all betrayals. So yes, he may be still sitting in the living room with you that night. But if he disengaged from you because you broke the rules of your attachment agreement, because your authentic self said, no, that's not how I wanna play the game today because I want to bring my authentic self forward. And now he finds that offensive. So he disengages you emotionally. So that attachment that Victor's talking about is absolutely necessary to some degree, but not at the expense of our authentic self. And that's why trauma and getting control of your autonomic nervous system and all these things. You have to do that work. But what is going to motivate you to walk through that hell
0: Mm. and do that
1: work and stay curious and stay inquiring? What is going to motivate you to do that and not just fall back to the comfort of attachment and get through life that way. Mm -hmm. Why do some people do the work and others don't? That is something Victor and I are scratching our heads on every day. We are looking for help to answer that question. So if anybody's got any ideas, please, please.
0: Yeah, because I have, I have a I I have a person in in my mind right now that I know has a tremendous amount of fear um, in a lot of areas. And it keeps this person quite paralyzed and not doing and moving forward. And so, um, like, at all. And they're happy like that. I mean, not happy like that, but they're satisfied and they don't even, there's no curiosity there. Right. Just the way it is. And now, knowing this person intimately for years, what I have in my tiny little, Whatever ability to you know analyze the situation because I I get when I I wonder about that stuff because even though I'm scared I'm still curious and I'm still like you know I have the wherewithal to be disappointed in myself and dig deeper I know I'm not disappointed in myself like I'm beating myself up I'm disappointed that I let the fear take control and I didn't man up or however you want to say
1: okay but. Okay, but Greg, I can't let you get beyond that, because there's too many people listening to you. Yeah, (laughs) that is only your personality. Yeah, that's a coping mechanism, manning up, staying in control, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. It's just your personality, and it's just a coping mechanism. Your authentic self is sitting there going like, well, You could be me instead. And guess what? All these other things aren't true at all because your authentic self never got affected by the trauma at 10 years old. It did not reach the authentic self. Mm -hmm. Your personality jumped in between created a coping mechanism. You identify now to that personality coping mechanism and say, that is me. I am afraid to go into the grocery store. No, personality is afraid the coping mechanism is like you can spend like like 10 hours talking to victor about that because that's where the autonomic nervous system sits but the authentic self is sitting there you know cleaning its fingernails going like well you know if if you want to call on me i'm not the least bit afraid of that grocery store and we can just stroll in there and have a good old time
0: right or you're
1: going to stay identifying to that personality that keeps saying I'm afraid of grocery stores and that's my coping mechanism so
0: so isn't that saying in a way that that person who is not curious
1: feels the feels
0: not curious doesn't want to look or try yeah is maybe there's that's an indicator how far they are away from their authentic self they're like miles away maybe I'm a little closer Could that be
1: miles away? Yeah, but that's (laughs) but that's the true trauma, honey. Yeah. And at ten, whatever happened to you, really, I I don't really care. You know, I don't want to sound insensitive. I mean, I want you to tell me the story someday, but in private. But that's not important. What's important is is that that traumatic moment caused you to identify to your personality rather than to your authentic self, and that create that schism. And now that schism, yes, you may have narrowed that schism down by a lot versus your friend who's maintained that schism to the max. Right. Absolutely. But, there, but the schism is caused by, should I go for comfort and attachment or should I speak up and claim my authentic self, which might mean that I am alone in the world and I get rejected By someone or something, culture, society, all those things. My dog, that's real. That's real. Well, am I going to get rejected, pushed aside, disengaged, separated from physically, maybe even divorced, all those things? If I bring my authentic self to the foreground, right? And now I have to face all those things that come with that,
0: right? yeah
1: so your friend may not be willing to face that at all she's just going to stay she or he is going to stay in their comfort zone they probably have a very nice upper middle class house and you know middle class house comfort at least what they divine decide is comfort and they're going to stay pat and hold on to that to the day they die Mm. which i would like to remind all of us we're all going to die someday there is, are. There's <laughs> yeah.
2: What'd say, there, there is a time stamp on this process. What would you say, Victor? There there is a timestamp on this process.
0: Yes. Yeah, there, there sure is. And um, you know, yeah. it, it's it's like uh, you know, I'm 56 years old and um almost 57. And I have made tremendous growth um steps in, and and I, I I mean I really, really have. I know that I chose to. I chose the spiritual path um, and I really, I dug deep and I, and I spent some time thinking, I'm pretty sure I'm losing my mind. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I mean, having a spiritual shift, awakening, whatever you want to call it is a major um, life changer. At least it was for me and it lasted years And, but, you know, and it's, it's funny because I haven't really been afraid of the grocery store in a while. It wasn't like it was solidly all through those years. I, it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows for me. Sometimes I'm perfectly fine going to get the broccoli in the grocery store. Perfectly fine. Why that is, I don't know. I always blame the moon cycles, you know, not a big fan of the waning crescent, but um, it's, it's like, I don't know. I don't have the answer. <laughs> I don't. Well, maybe answer, you guys do.
1: The, the answer is Victor's thing. It's the autonomic nervous system.
2: It, it is. But it, why does it, it ebb and flow
0: though? I mean, if you're but afraid, because, you're afraid, because no?
2: it's never one thing.
0: Okay.
2: Right. It's 500 things coming together in the context of your life that create the autonomic nervous system is extraordinarily sophisticated.
0: Right.
2: Right. So we're talking in simplified terms so that we can all understand and get a grip on something that's extraordinarily sophisticated, but there are millions, billions, whatever you want to say connections inside your autonomic nervous system. So it's not just like the crackers made me constipated. It's, you know, your 500, the the relationships you have and the relationships you don't have your entire past, your Mm. locale, the weather, the moon, the sun, the, you know, Jupiter, the Plus, you know, how your daughter's feeling that day and right. how she felt last week, plus right. creates a whole That's vibe true. to your life. True. Yeah, and I then that, that overall feeling is what we feel. And if we try to nitpick that apart to the end of time, it, w- it will literally take us our whole life. You can't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. You have to get to the essence of it.
0: Yeah. yeah now then,
2: then you can make some, have some effect.
0: Yeah. So yoga and Ayurveda- look at the big picture i guess
1: uh yoga just... yoga yoga is great for quieting the mind mm-hmm. and clearing the mind not thinking you said i sat in the car and thought that would not be meditation but right if, oh, definitely if you can truly control your breath so pranayama is important and then enter into a deep state of meditation the authentic voice the authentic self's voice can be heard yes. it might call out to you don't you know so that's one way yoga can benefit you. And that's what the yogis were trying to get people to do. They were not trying to get you to do asanas to keep yourself and physically conditioned. That's an exercise class. And that's what the West has turned yoga into. That's not what at all, what they were talking about. So. Um, we need. Yeah. To in children. my notes
0: today, I made, I, I said that Ayurveda is not just for healing, the, the physical body and yoga is not just for flexibility and fitness. These are right. These are tools or practices to bring about transformational change.
1: Right. but Hopefully, uh, yeah. The important part of yoga is that you learn to meditate and mm-hmm. quiet your mind so that the voice of the authentic self can be heard. Yeah. And then you have to have the courage, which also can be part of yoga. You have to have the courage and discipline to live that voice and not run back to comfort and safety. Although you have to have some comfort and safety in your life. I'm not trying to say go to zero. I'm saying that if you run back to it, to attachment to comfort and safety at the expense of living your authentic self, then you've gone too far. And that is all being messed with in your digestive system, as Victor keeps referring to it. All those things are all being messed with because that autonomic nervous system is watching all of it and going like holy crap and then it then all of a sudden you contract your sphincters and colons and all that stuff and now you're constipated it had nothing to do with the crackers it had to do with that thought of like oh my god am i really going to go home and tell my husband i want radical change in this relationship Radical Mm -hmm. change, radical transformation. Am I really going to do that today? Because I just sat in meditation and it hit me so hard in the face that I have to go home and say, no, this has got to change. I do not want to live like this anymore. I want my authentic self and it's time to make a change. Is he going to hear that and go, I'm with you, baby? Or is he going to hear that and say, adios, baby?
2: Mm, Yeah, yeah. Scary, huh?
1: scary. And that's, what's going to cause the constipation and all that stuff. And and that's where Victor's comes in and, and suppression of emotion is also going to make you sick. So if you think you can suppress your authentic self forever, you're in, you're in the hearing a lot of bad diagnoses.
2: Yes, unfortunately it's true. And you would think that that would, I've learned the hard way in my professional life. I thought that the experience of the consequence of disease would motivate people. It is not a motivator.
0: Nope.
2: Not at all. doesn't work that way.
0: Until it becomes chronic and it's screaming, um, like a terminal diagnosis or a, or a chronic condition that's got you unable to move or whatever.
2: Maybe, but then even then it might be yeah, right? a lot of, you know, sometimes we see nice movies where that happens, you know, someone gets the diagnosis and oh I finally get it. And they wake up and you know, life is a house or whatever. But actually the re- the cold hard reality is most people still just persist being very sick and die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, we run out of time. That, <laughs> I do. Just... I
1: wanna I wanna throw a few things in here. Oh, please everybody listening should go watch the movie. Don't look up, it's on Netflix. Don't look up. Yeah, it's kind of what we're talking about kind of sorta of. and we could enter I wish we could do live shows so that we'd have feedback and because yeah, I love Yeah, that to would get be in. good. Yeah. Yes, that would be fun to have a dialogue. But anyway, Don't Look Up is a great movie to watch about this kind of thing. And then Victor's going to give you our free offers of love and kindness.
2: Yes, indeed. Okay, so if you haven't already, um contact us. We're really easy to get a hold of. Um Joe will give you a numerology reading. Just email us your birthday. And if you want me to do your Jotish chart, and we can talk more about this kind of stuff, obviously. Um, then send your birthday, birth time, and birthplace. It's all completely free. My my promise is we will not upsell you, so you can do it fearlessly. Um and
0: Jotish is Vedic astrology, yeah.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, and the email is Reception at I, I
0: Yes, indeed. Well, as usual, it's always interesting and eye-opening. And I hope it wasn't the sherry hour, um, but I think. Oh, well, that's you know, coming next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now that everybody knows that I forgot my broccoli. Oh, Christmas Eve.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> If there's a lot of pittas eating the dinner with you, it's good that you forgot the broccoli. So that's
0: true.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, there were a decent amount of coffee there. So well,
2: you you got to ask if if someone's judging you for having that <laughs> human experience, then I would I would start asking them questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why are you so judgmental about a thing? Yeah, yeah experience, it's all this true. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's they probably some kind of protection. Shot, yeah, exactly. yeah yeah
0: but we we will continue the conversations and um i thank you as always for your time and wisdom i really appreciate it
1: you're welcome thank you we like we like sharing
0: oh boy and i love you too i really yeah. do thank you so uh we'll talk again soon yeah
1: all right so yep. we love okay you. love all you right. too bye guys right. bye
0: i hope you enjoyed the conversation today if you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, Ayurveda.com, or email me at sherry at or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Burjansky. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, tarot card readings, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Namaste.